Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hey there, I am so glad you can join me today. Today's a really important episode because I'm going to be talking to you about five uncommon signs of child anxiety. And it's important because these are signs that are so often missed by parents. They come into my practice for all sorts of other reasons. They come in because the child's having behavioral issues. They're not listening. They're having big meltdowns. Um, and the parents are feeling frustrated because parentally what's worked for their other kids is just not working for their child, this particular child. And at times when I start working with a child, I will discover that it's because it's anxiety and it's not behavior. It's not poor behavior. Once we find the root of the issue, we can fix it. So I'm going to save you some time and heartache and tell you what some of those signs and symptoms can be. Now I have to, I have to have a disclaimer for every podcast, but it's important to say that this is for your information. And obviously I am not providing you with therapy. And if anything I'm saying is alarming or concerning, or if you're like, Oh my gosh, she's describing our John, you know, I didn't know that that was a sign of anxiety, you know, go seek out uh, a therapist or talk to your pediatrician, especially for the physical symptoms and get, get some professional advice because I'm talking at you and I'm not having a dialogue with you. And so we're not having an assessment here. I feel like my role with you throughout these podcasts, throughout these episodes will be educational. And I'm hoping to arm you with all the education that I have from my experience working with kids and with my own kids, that you're just going to have this great knowledge parentally and on anxiety that you're not going to miss things and you're going to know how to approach things. So these symptoms are important because I don't want you to miss them. So let's roll up our sleeves and start talking about the first one. So the first one, um, well, the first general category are physical symptoms. They're often missed with parents. Stomach aches are really obvious to me, but they're missed a lot. And I'll give you a generic story. I'm going to give you a lot of stories because this, all of these symptoms happen so much in my practice that I can, I can think of hundreds of kids that, that, manifest anxiety in, in each way that I'm going to be talking about. And so I'm going to take those hundreds of kids and I'm going to make a composite story for each one. Because honestly, when you sit in my office for over a decade, like I have, all the stories start to sound very familiar. You know, kids in general are unique and they're different, but these general stories of how their anxiety is manifesting start to sound identical. It's crazy because they are so similar and they're not surprising. So the stomach ache story tends to go like this. Let's make up a name. You know, we'll just talk about Jennifer and John, some generic names. So, you know, Jennifer comes into my office and the parents, I always meet with parents first. And, you know, typically the parents will say something like, you know, I don't know. She's had really bad stomach aches and went to the doctor and they couldn't find anything. We went to the gastrointestinal specialist and they couldn't find anything. And, you know, maybe the child was scoped or was put on a special diet and nothing seems to be helping. And finally, the GI specialist says, you know what? There's nothing medically wrong with your child. You need to go see a therapist. That happens to me all the time. That's how the session begins. And so then when I start talking to the parents, you know, they'll start to say, you know, her stomach hurt. 
Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night, Thursday night and Friday night. She's fine. Saturday night. She's fine. It hurts on Sunday night. It hurts Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. You get my point. Do you see the pattern? (laughs) Yeah. It hurts every time they have to go to school. So, um, that is normally the first indication that it could be something going on with anxiety. So stomach aches are definitely a huge sign. I know when I was a little kid, that is how my anxiety showed up. And I didn't even know I had anxiety. I just knew that I threw up every time there was a new thing. And it was more, I think it was more social anxiety because it was the first day of school. I would throw up. I remember my mom took me or she forced me to go to gymnastics. And I remember being in the car and I remember throwing up. And I remember every first day of camp, I just remember in the morning throwing up and it got to the point where I just like, if it was something new that I was nervous about, I wouldn't eat breakfast because I knew I didn't want anything in my stomach coming up. Isn't that crazy? So stomach aches are definitely a very easy sign to tell. The next one that's really common is constipation and diarrhea. And I I don't think a lot of parents necessarily know that there's a correlation. I think, you know, it's funny because sometimes parents will come in and I'll be taking a general history. And if they're coming in for anxiety, almost always they'll say something about constipation. Uh, yeah, you know, he has a hard time pooping. He gets backed up. You know, we have to give him Miralax. Miralax is just medication that helps, helps keep you regular. And there is a reason for that. You know, when you're anxious, you do tend to hold everything in and you don't move your bowels as easily. And conversely, you can also, when you're really, really anxious, you can get diarrhea. And sometimes those indications are the first sign that you will find that there's an anxiety going on. I'll tell you a little story. So my son was in swim lessons a couple of years ago, maybe like just actually maybe just like a year and a half ago. And I did not know that he was anxious about that. You know, sometimes, sometimes boys more than girls and not always, but I find that a lot of times they're not as articulate about their anxiety. And maybe that's a societal problem that, you know, they're, they have to be tough. I have no idea. Cause I, I definitely don't convey that to my son, but you know, you can't bubble them from society. And so I have three anxious kids. So I have two girls and a boy and my girls are very vocal about their anxiety, but he is not as vocal. And so we're going to swim class all the time. And I had no idea that he was nervous or anxious, but right before swim, swim class would happen, he'd go to the bathroom, he'd have a stomach ache and he'd be on the toilet. And then he'd be like, I can't, I can't go to swim class. You know, I'm, I'm on the toilet. I'm not feeling well, you know, and he was having diarrhea and a nervous stomach. Well, I say nervous now, but I did not know that. So the first time I chalked it up to Huh, that's weird. He must have a bug. That's a bummer. He seemed okay before, you know, we got ready to go. And so I canceled swim class. But by the third or fourth time, yeah, it honestly took me that long to see that pattern. I think it's so funny because when you're so close to things, you don't see them as I would if I was in my practice listening to someone else tell me the story, you know, when you're too close to the situation. So by the third or fourth time, I'm like, okay, every time we're about to go to swim class, he is running to the bathroom. So Eventually we talked about it and he said, yeah, I'm really nervous. I I feel like I'm going to sink to the bottom. I feel like she's not going to save me. And so once I was able to say to him, I think your tummy is telling you that you're nervous to go to swim class. We were able to have a huge discussion about it. And then I was able to work on his anxiety, but it wasn't until I noticed the physical symptom 
that I realized I needed to like roll up my sleeves and actually do some work with him. So pay attention to those kind of things. The other thing that I would look at with physical symptoms, um, I, I tend to do this almost automatically. It's really, it's kind of like a curse. I'm always looking at kids, really not adults because that would be really weird, but I always look at kids and I, I think I'm doing like a, a mental inventory of how they appear because there is, there is a way that anxious kids tend to look not always, but there are, there are physical signs that shout at me when I'm working with a child or even, you know, if I'm at the playground, cause I just, I don't know, you just, you can't turn this stuff off. So one that I always look at if their nails are, you know, bitten all the way down, that is more often than not a sign of anxiety when they're picking at their scabs. Um, you know, sometimes that's a sign of anxiety. So the nails are a very big indicator for me. The other thing, and this one's going to sound totally bizarre, but there is a really strong correlation, but this is anecdotal. I just noticed this with a lot of the anxious kids I work with is that they will have a red mark below their lip kind of makes them look like they have a second lip. You know, they'll have a red mark all the way down, kind of like a circular thing on the bottom of their lip, or they might have it on the top of their lip. And so it's just this big red mark on top of their lip. Some kids I work with have both. And so you'll be like, well, that's weird, Natasha. Like, why would that have anything to do with anxiety? I don't know. It just does. A lot of, well, I do know. So (laughs) let me take that part back. But a lot of anxious kids have a dry mouth because when you're anxious, you tend to get a dry mouth. And a lot of times anxious and nervous kids lick their lips all the time. And so they wind up getting very chapped lips. Another trait that a lot of anxious kids do is they like suck in their lips. And, um, actually one of my children had this issue too. And uh, they would like wipe their lips with their hands all the time. And so they would get the red mark, but I see this in my practice all the time. Now, not every anxious kid is going to have stomach aches, constipation, you know, nail biting, and this big red mark on their face. I mean, that would be great if they did. Cause we'd see them a mile away and be like, Oh boy, that, that child needs help. But it is just another one of those things to observe that, um, if they do have that, you might want to look closer at if they're anxious. Okay. So that's physical symptoms. The next symptom I want to get into is when your child refuses to go to school. And so lots of kids don't want to go to school. There's all sorts of reasons why kids don't want to go to school. And so school refusal in and of itself is not a sign of anxiety. But if your child is saying, you know, I don't have a problem with school. I like my teacher. I have good friends. I just feel more comfortable at home. That's when I know that it could be an anxiety issue. I see school refusal every week in my practice. And normally it starts with, oh, Natasha, I don't want to go to school. Why can't my mom just homeschool me? You know, it's just, I'm more comfortable at home. I feel safer. Um, I feel relaxed. Those are the things that I normally hear. And then I explore it further because, uh, if, if they're not saying they're being bullied and there is no indication of that, and they're not having social drama and their teacher isn't being horrible and belittling them, then you have to look a little bit deeper. The most common issues that I see for school refusal, um, there are a couple of different fears. The biggest one, and this one's going to maybe sound bizarre to you, or it might really resonate and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, fear of throwing up is the number one reason why kids don't want to go to school. Weird, right? Maybe not weird to you. Maybe you're living that, 
but that is a, the number one anxiety. And in a future podcast, I think I'll do like, um, I did an article about this once, like the most top, the top, the most popular worries for each age group and fear of throwing up is number one. And so kids with this fear, you know, worry that they're going to throw up at school. You know, sometimes people are afraid that they're going to see someone throwing up at school, but more often than not, almost 99% of the time, it's that they're afraid that they're going to throw up. And so they feel really nauseous in the morning because anxiety is completely cruel. And it's like, oh, you're afraid you're going to throw up. Let me help you out there. Let me make you feel really sick. So that's one of the big ones. Fear of separation is another really big one. Um, Clinical separation anxiety tends to happen more in junior high. I see onset of clinical separation anxiety hitting around seventh grade. And so it's not your two-year-old clinging to your legs. It's your seventh grader clinging to your legs. That's clinical separation anxiety. And often that's missed because they're embarrassed. And so they don't say it. They don't want to tell you about it. And so that's a big one for not wanting to go to school. They'll tell me, I don't know if my mom is okay. I wonder what she's doing. You know, what's she doing when I'm not there? And so they'll text you a lot. And so if you're seeing your child text you all the time while they're at school, they're trying to have a conversation with you. They want you to have lunch with them. And they're spending a lot of time at the nurse. That is probably an indication of anxiety. Some other ones that are not as strong, but definitely come up for school refusal are kids that are afraid of taking a test. And so sometimes the kids will tell me, I just don't want to go to school on Friday. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, what is the worst thing about Friday? I always say, what is the worst thing about something? Because it leaves it open-ended. So they have to kind of fill in the gap. I'm not spoon feeding them the answer. And they'll say, oh, the worst thing about Friday, um, that would have to be spelling tests. And then that opens up uh, the conversation to say, you know, well, what's the worst thing about spelling tests? Well, they're timed. Well, that's probably normally like math tests, but you know, I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, not get a hundred percent. And then, then now you're having a meatier conversation about why they don't want to go to school. The last one for school refusal is social anxiety. You know, a lot of kids worry that they're going to blush. They don't want to go to school because they feel like they can't control their face. They worry. What if they're called on? or they might worry about having to do school presentations. And so they don't want to get into that with you. You know, maybe they're embarrassed. And so they just refuse to go to school and that can look oppositional. It can look like they're being difficult or bratty or entitled, um, or just, you know, it could be, it could look like a behavioral thing when really in reality it's an anxiety. So that's the second one. So we've got three more that I want to go into. Up next, we are going to be talking about anger and how that actually can be anxiety in disguise. You're listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. So a lot of times boys will show that they're very angry and it could be for all sorts of reasons. So don't get me wrong. I work with tons of very angry boys that are completely not anxious, but anxious boys tend to be angry boys as well. And not just boys. I have worked with some very angry girls. Normally, it's just an indication that they have a hard time telling you about their anxiety. And so they, it's comforting or it's more comforting to show it out and to show it in anger than to talk about something more vulnerable like anxiety. So I'm going to tell you a little story just to kind of give you an example of that. And when I can, I like to talk about my own kids just so that, um, you know, I'm keeping other people's stories private, but 
a while ago, my son has a chore where he has to go around and take uh, the trash out for our little trash baskets, you know, in, in the bedrooms and stuff. And for some reason, he always did this chore at nighttime. And one day he was throwing the biggest fit about having to go do the trash cans. And he's really got the easiest chore in the house. I mean, once a week, he has to take the trash out. And there's these little, little tiny trash bags. And so he's freaking out. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And he's screaming and he's, um, and he's being really oppositional. And so I'm about to scream at him. I'm about to give him consequences and give him a strike because we do a three strikes, you're out. And then for some reason I stopped and something in me said, it's something bigger. He's not just being difficult. You know, don't, don't react and don't feed into it. Just sit down and talk to him for a second, which is really weird because normally I don't have that insight with my own kids. I have it with everybody else's, which is a curse. So I said, Hey, why, what's the worst part about taking the trash out? And it's funny because with him and his anxiety, I always feel like I have an answer and my answer is always wrong. So I thought he was going to say, it's boring. It's dirty. I don't, it's, I don't like it. And he said, the rooms are dark. And then I was like, oh gosh, that wasn't the answer I expected. I said, so what's wrong with the rooms? He said, they're dark. And even if I go in there, I'm afraid to turn the light on because I'm afraid something's going to pop out. And I'm afraid when I'm in the room, somebody's going to come from behind and they're going to scare me. And I had no idea he had any of those anxieties. Now I do. That was a year and a half ago. And now he's got a lot of anxiety about people popping up and startling him and about the dark. You know, I know all of his anxiety themes, but I didn't at the time. So, um, you know, I was able to fix that with him. We worked through the anxiety and I wouldn't have, if I had just took his anger on face value and just said, it's anger. And I disciplined it. If I disciplined it, I would have missed the entire learning opportunity right there. So pay attention to your child's anger because you never know. So the fourth one I want to talk about is avoidance. If your children are starting to avoid an activity that they normally like, take a look at that and say like, what's going on. I once worked with a boy who loved soccer, was really good at it. And all of a sudden he refused to play and his mom had no idea. And he was already seeing me. And so she was like, I don't know what his deal is, but he doesn't want to play soccer anymore. And so I started talking to him and it took a little while, but eventually he told me that he was afraid to play soccer because he felt like his mom was never going to come back. And she had been leaving. She had just started leaving practice because she noticed that all the other moms were leaving and the coach was there. And so she felt like she would be back in a half an hour. And the child never said, you know, mom, I don't like when you leave. He just wanted to stop going to soccer. And so once we discovered that that was the anxiety, we were able to work on that and get him over the irrational feeling that his mom would never come back. He knew it was irrational, but anxiety doesn't make sense. And so uh, he actually had that in all sorts of different um, capacities in his life. That was just the one that was the most obvious So pay attention to when your kids are avoiding activities they typically like. Something might be going on. Okay, the last one I want to talk about is routines versus rituals. So a lot of times we think our kids have these really cute routines when really in reality they can be ritualistic. So I'll give you I'm gonna give you two comparison stories. One is a very cute little routine, and the other one is a ritual, so that you can get what I'm trying to say. So we'll talk about bedtime because that tends to be where routines and rituals pop up more often than anything else. Um, 
So let's take Jennifer and John again. So Jennifer is uh, five, and when she goes to bed at night, she likes um, to have a story before she goes to sleep. And then her mom tucks her in, gives her a kiss, and then she turns on her nightlight, and she says, I love you, and her daughter says, I love you back. And then they put her music on that helps her go to sleep, and her mom leaves. Okay, so that's Jennifer. Then let's talk about John. So John is 5'2", and his mom comes in, and she tucks him in. They read a story, and then she puts him to bed. And then she has to flatten out his blanket three times, and then she lines up his stuffed animals in a perfect row in the exact order. And John has to double check and make sure they're in the right spot. And he has to take the blanket and put it right up over by his neck to make it feel really comfortable. And she has to tuck in his blanket really tight. And then she has to say, I love you. And then he says, I love you. And then she has to say, I love you too. And then she leaves. <laughs> I know that's really obvious, isn't it? You're like, wow, Natasha, that is really not a uh, complex mystery there. Spent a lot of time on John and not so much on Jennifer, but you get my point. So John obviously has a lot of rituals because if mom didn't tuck the blanket, you know, if she didn't um, smooth out the blanket three times, he'd probably make her redo it. And if his stuffed animal was in a different position, she would probably have to move them and line them up in the exact order. So those are ritualistic and we're not talking about how to handle these situations today. I will definitely talk about that in a future episode, but we're just talking about what those look like and and so you want to pay attention for ritualistic behavior. And the way you can also tell if it's a ritual is if you do something different on purpose and they have a complete meltdown about it, that would be a really good indication that they're not being able to handle it. So those are the five symptoms to recap. Let's talk about them. Pay attention to the physical symptoms, stomach ache, constipation, diarrhea, um, biting nails, and the red ring amount around the mouth, uh, school refusal, uh, irrational anger that maybe is out of context for what's going on in your life, avoidance of activities that they used to like that all of a sudden they don't like, and there's no reason for it that you can find and rituals that are maybe are disguised as routines. So hopefully that will help you. Um, and maybe you're starting to recognize some of those issues with your own kids. And maybe you already knew that that was a sign of anxiety. I don't know, but I'm hoping that that will add to your, to your knowledge. So I hope you found that episode helpful. If you're looking for further help on parenting your kids with anxiety, I do have a parenting e-course called Teach Your Kids to Crush Anxiety. And I made it after I realized all three of my kids are anxious. And so eventually I was like, let's go into my home office and once a week I'll do therapy with you. And so I was doing that for a while. I was bringing in my five-year-old and my seven-year-old. I've already worked with my 13-year-old forever. And I would do like little lessons like I would in my office. But what I was finding is that it was outside of those um, therapy sessions, quasi therapy sessions with my own children that I was actually doing the work. So when they were panicking or when they were having a challenge, that is when all the therapy was happening. And so I realized that kids learn a lot more in the moment. And parents need to know how to coach their kids through those moments. That's when they really learn how to battle their anxiety. And so in my practice, I always meet with parents every three sessions alone to give them the tools to empower their children. But I want to be able to give that to 
people in my audience and, you know, people that are at home or people that are, you know, in Australia or, you know, the UK and, you know, I don't have access to them. And so I made this e-course and I go through step-by-step everything that I teach kids and parents in my therapy therapy practice on how to be anxiety and what I do with my own kids too. So you can take a look at that if you want to empower yourself and empower your kids. You can find more information about my e-course at anxioustoddlers.com. There's a tab on the top that says um, parenting e-course and you can find it there. And if you want to leave a comment about today's episode, if you have insight that you want to share or you have a question, you can go to anxioustoddlers.com backslash PSP dash zero zero three. If you like this episode, please subscribe. And you can see that on my website, there are subscribe buttons, or you can go to iTunes or wherever you are consuming this. And if you want to show your gratitude and you're appreciating the work that I'm doing, it would warm my heart if you could leave a review, because really that's the only kind of feedback that I get. And it's the only thing I ask in return for me giving out all this information. So I would love if you could, you know, write a review. This is a new podcast and that would just make me feel empowered to continue and go on. So I appreciate that. I'll, I'll give you a big thank you before you do it. So I hope you find the sparkle in every day and I will talk to you in a few days. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.